Welcome to the Faith Assembly Podcast. We're so glad that you've joined us today. It is our desire at Faith to help you connect, grow, and go in your walk with God. We hope you're encouraged by this message from Pastor Steve. Uh, Genesis chapter 8 and verse 22, the word of the Lord says, While the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, winter and summer, day and night, shall not cease. And these are the seasons and the cycles of life that you and I live with. And without being advised differently, we may well assume that these are the seasons and cycles of life that will always be in perpetuity. That the world will just continue to turn, that all things will remain the same, seed time and harvest will come, winter, spring, summer, and fall will all continue in a cyclical nature in just to no end. But the Word tells us that there is a prophetic timetable. There's a, there's a prophetic timetable, and once the appointed time, known only by God the Father, has been reached... The church of Jesus Christ, those who are in Christ, both those who have died and those who remain, are going to be raptured together, and there they will meet the Lord in the air. And then at that time, this world as we know it will be ushered into the pangs of unrest, judgment, and destruction, the likes of which history has never known, nor do we have anything in our human comprehending or understanding to make an apt comparison as to what is forthcoming for the world in judgment. And, you know, as a matter of fact, we read the words of Jesus in Matthew 24, and Jesus says, says these words, and Jesus answered and said to them, Take heed that no one deceives you, for many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and will deceive many. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars, and you will see, see that you're not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. Church, we live in a generation where there are wars and rumors of wars, earthquakes in diverse places, but the end is not yet. I know the end is near. I believe that the end is coming, and I believe the word of the Lord in this regard. And Jesus continues and says, For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famine and pestilence and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning. Of sorrows then they will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you and you'll be hated for all by all nations for my name's sake and then many will be offended and will betray one another and will hate one another then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many and because lawlessness will abound the love of many will grow cold But he who endures to the end shall be saved, and this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations, and then the end will come. This is a subject matter, again, of interest to a great many people, and it should be a subject matter of great interest to you and I. And and I want to add a few qualifiers to that, because while this should be a subject of great interest for you and I, I want to warn against the extremes that we see in many cases as it relates to the subject of eschatology. You say, what is eschatology? Or maybe you thought, God bless you, I didn't didn't sneeze. Eschatology is the study of end time events. 
And it is a subject that you and I need to concern ourselves with. We need to be familiarized with the things that are are forthcoming. I believe there's a divine purpose and a spirit-inspired reason that these things are included in Scripture for you and I to see. But I don't believe that the Lord included these things in Scripture to consume us, which is the practice of many. That when it comes to this this, I mean, this is a, there's a, a, there is a degree, I mean, let's just be honest, there is a degree of mystery surrounding these things. As a matter of fact, Paul said, behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but be changed in the twinkling of an eye. He's talking there, and we'll get into this more next week about the rapture of the church and things that are forthcoming with the end of time. And this, this idea of of uh, Armageddon and and the end of the age and the coming of the Lord and all this is sensationalized by a lot of people. As a matter of fact, every world event just some by some gets held under the microscope and is scrutinized to see if this might be a pivotal moment in the fulfillment of prophecy. How many of you remember the early middle of the year 2020? as uh, the world was thrust into the chaos of a global pandemic and all of the uncertainty, all of the unrest and, uh, you know, speculations were made and declared as being divinely inspired and there was a frenzy of would-be prophetic activity telling us all about the doomsday that was coming supposedly within the year And, you know, many of whom and the more noble of whom came back later to apologize and say, hey, maybe I got a little off track here. Uh, Some of them today are still declaring, thus says the Lord, and the season is past. And, uh, you know, that's between them and the Lord. But I want to challenge you as you're listening to people, as you're taking in things, I, I, I believe that we need to utilize every tool at our disposal uh, to be able to spread the gospel. But I also believe that if you want to be thoroughly confused as a believer, you'll watch 24 hours straight of Christian television. Because you're going to hear some of the wackiest stuff you've ever heard in your life. You'll hear some solid teaching, no doubt, but you'll also hear some things that are just like off from some other place and you need to be careful the teaching to which you are subscribing and just really allowing to influence your thoughts and your lives and you need to do as the men of Berea and take those things and consider them against the weight of God's word and be sure that what's being said is factual and what's being said is actually what the Lord is trying to convey to us okay so, and, and you know, I've met people that every waking thought, it seemed like, was about things of this nature. It consumed every conversation, and quite honestly, I believe in many cases, it had squelched a healthy relationship with the Lord. Um, because there, there was no fruit or evidence in their lives of such a relationship, but they could tell you every facet about any kind of end-time subject that you want to talk about. And I want to submit to you today that if we really take a a deeper look at this and we get in here and we have a healthy perspective and we study this in the whole counsel of the Lord, a study of end time events should exist in your life to help promote a healthy relationship with Jesus. 
We're going to see that as we begin to move through this. But um, an interesting phenomenon with this is that while you have one end of the spectrum here where there are people who are so overtaken and overwhelmed with it, you have another end of the spectrum where people just absolutely ignore the subject because of the great prophetic misses, because uh, people have who have an interest in such things are viewed in the same light as the little boy who cried wolf. Uh, as far back as the Apostle Peter, we find these people who, who questioned, who scoffed at those who said that the Lord was coming. In 2 Peter chapter 3, we find these words. Peter writing to the church says, knowing this first, that scoffers will come in the last days walking according to their own lusts and saying, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. And because of this mix of false starts and naysayers, a number of people have become disinterested at best and worse, dismissive of the study. But I believe to turn a blind eye to the events of the world and never consider them from an eschatological perspective is a mistake as the approaching of the Lord's coming draws nigh so I believe we need to have a perspective of this we need to we need to have a healthy study of the subject and I believe there is a place where a study of end time events is meaningful for the formation of our faith and it's helpful for us to apply to our lives and a study of end time events will answer several questions for us and I want to explore these answers as we begin our survey of the subject can we do that together this morning all right Number one, I believe that the study of eschatology answers the question for us, how should we live? How should we live? As a matter of fact, in 2 Peter chapter 3, beginning in verse 7, if you have your Bible there, I really want you to jump in here and join me uh, as we look together in the word of the Lord. It says, but the heavens and the earth, which are now preserved by the same word, are reserved for fire until the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. Peter's talking here about this, this unleashing of judgment on the earth in the, in the last days. And he says, but beloved, do not forget this one thing that a day with the Lord, uh, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years and a thousand years is one day. And the Lord is not slack concerning his promises. Some count slackness, but he's long suffering towards us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night. He's talking about the imminent return of Jesus. We're going to talk about that a little bit more next week. And he says, in which the heavens and the earth will pass away with a great noise and the elements will melt with a fervent heat, both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. Therefore, because in light of eternity, when time ceases and we're all introduced into the realm of eternity, in light of that great happening on God's prophetic timetable, Paul, Peter says, therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be? And I want to challenge you today, church, that we, we spend so much time in the economy of here and now, in the economy of the flesh, in the economy of the temporal, things that are today, here, and Peter describes for us that there will come a time in eternity when they are no more. I believe that every one of us ought to live life in a perspective, a healthy perspective of eternity. 
And that's what Peter's saying here to us is therefore since all these things will be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness looking for and hastening the coming of the day of the Lord because of which the heavens will be dissolved being on fire and the elements will melt with a fervent heat. Nevertheless, according to his promise, we look for a new heaven and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. As a matter of fact, building on this idea that you and I live lives and we pattern our conduct and we fashion our morals after the light, in the light of eternity, John even tags on to this in 1 John chapter 3, and he says, Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called the children of God. Therefore the world does not know us because it did not know him. Beloved, now we are the children of God, and you can shout here any minute, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be, but we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Okay? So, so John here is talking about that great resurrection day when the Lord is revealed. The saints, both the dead and the quick, are, are the dead are resurrected and the quick are caught up together with them to meet the Lord and were changed in the twinkling of an eye into the very likeness of the resurrected Christ. John says there, and everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself sanctification sanctification is the setting apart both instantaneous at the moment of salvation and progressive as we live and the Lord continues to work out in us through the convicting power of the Holy Spirit things that are in us that are not pleasing to the Lord and John says one day one day we're all gonna stand before Jesus and how now do you want to be found standing before him? I want to be found in Christ having lived repentant and yielded to the voice of the Holy Spirit as he begins to touch things in my life. This is, understand this, this has nothing to do with legalism. This has nothing to do with your ability to keep the rules. It has everything to do with your yieldedness and your pliability in the presence of the Lord to be able to say, you know what, Lord, I'm going to offer myself a living sacrifice to you, holy and acceptable. I'm no longer going to chase after the desires of my flesh, but I'm going to pursue things of the Spirit because when you come, I want to be found holy set apart from this sin-sickened world. I want to be different in the nature of Christ. I don't want to be so wrapped up in my carnality that there's hardly any distinguishable difference between me and the rest of the world that operates according to an antichrist system. So I believe as we begin to look into this and we begin to talk about the rapture of the church and we begin to talk about the coming judgment and we begin to talk about the hope that is ours in eternity of a new Jerusalem coming down from God out of heaven and the eternity spent in the light of God's presence, then it should begin to shift a perspective for us and shift our desires and shift the, the, the wants in our spirit to be moved to a place of holiness. Holiness is not a dress code. 
Holiness is not a style. Holiness is not a fashion. Holiness is a posture of one's heart that is pursuing after the things of God. So what does this mean? This doesn't mean that we strive to keep the law or that we, we have failed if we're not perfect. It simply means that you and I live our lives with the expectation of God's coming judgment and more than that, that we're going to stand before the, the, the eyes of the Lord who are going to see straight into the intent of our heart and thereby we're going to be judged. Okay? Number, the, second, the second question I believe that a healthy study of eschatology answers for us is what should we do? What should we do? And, and you know, I've, I've started this message today and kicked off this series with the idea that there are a lot of people, there's a lot of intrigue around this idea that, you know, as a matter of fact, if you, if you want to know how deep the intrigue is, uh, just pay attention to your local box office. There, there are so many things that come out of Hollywood that are inspired by, by events of an apocalyptic nature, aren't there? I mean, see it, you just see the intrigue with this subject matter all around. And it, it dates all the way back even to the very first century church. It dates all the way back, as a matter of fact, to Jesus' very first disciples. Because it, on the day that Jesus ascended to heaven, we read about this in the book of Acts chapter 1. If you've got that, again, if you've got your word, go ahead and turn there to Acts chapter 1. And, and you'll see that the end of time has been an interest since the beginning of the church. It wasn't just a few years ago that they started prophetic conferences. I mean, there's been an interest in this since the very earliest days of the church. As a matter of fact, when Jesus is there just before his ascension into heaven, we, we see his disciples questioning Jesus, and we pick this up in Acts chapter 1, verse 6, and it says, Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, at this time, uh, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? In other words, Lord, what is the prophetic timetable here? When, when, when will you return? When are you coming back? We, we understand that you're going to your father's house and we've understood that you're coming back again. As a matter of fact, they're going to be reminded in just a few, minute, for a few minutes by the angelic messengers that the same Christ they've seen taken in like manner is coming back again one day. They're, they're going to get that in just a minute. But, uh, and, and it says here that Jesus answered them and says, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father's put in his own authority. And I just want to add a little something to that. When you see people standing up and they're declaring, thus says the Lord, by October of next year, I have one word for you. Run. Run. Because the, the word of the Lord is very clear against those who try to set dates. Date setting according to prophetic things is not of God. It is clearly spoken against here in the word of the Lord. And he says, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father has put in his own authority. In other words, look at this. If you and I knew, if we understand the principle of grace and the mercy of God, I want to ask you this. How many of us, if we just really, really, really get honest with ourselves, would live with the degree of commitment and dedication that we do if we didn't believe in the imminent return of Christ, that he could come at any moment, 
not just at a specified time that we all knew? I mean, if we all just knew, I mean, wouldn't it just serve, stand to reason that we could just go off and just live and be however we wanted to be, and then three weeks ahead of time, we'd open the church doors and we'd all come in, repent, and, and you say, Pastor, that sounds ridiculous. It may sound ridiculous to you, but I guarantee you there are masses of people out there that would order their lives this way. And Jesus says it's not for you to know the times or the seasons that the Father has put in his own authority. And he continues with this word and says, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. In other words, Jesus says, in this season of waiting, in this season, this dispensation of grace in the way that God deals with his people after Calvary, after the resurrection of Christ, after the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, you and I are living in the age of evangelism. Where we're to live reliant on the Holy Spirit's power to, to enable us to be effective witnesses of the kingdom, to go out and to share the gospel. Eschatology, anointing, and evangelism should go hand in hand in our lives. I want to say that to you because there's a lot of people who would attend a prophetic conference that they can't be nice to the waitress at the lunch break. They know all about the character and the nature of the beast and every piece of symbology, but they don't know how to show Christ to a lost and dying world. And eschatology, I'm going to say that again, eschatology, anointing, God didn't pour out His Spirit for you and I to have good church services, although we do. He poured out His Spirit that you and I would be bold witnesses, effective witnesses of the gospel of Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, Paul writes these words. He says, yes, we are fully confident and we would rather be away from these earthly bodies for then we would be at home with the Lord. So whether we are here in this body or away from this body, our goal is to please Him for we must all stand before Christ to be judged which we will receive whether we deserve good or evil, uh, for we deserve for the good or the evil we have done in this earthly body. Because our understanding, because we understand our fearful responsibility to the Lord, we work hard to persuade others. In other words, Paul says, listen, I know there's a day that's coming that what has been invested in me Freely you have been given. Freely you have received. Freely give. You've received the gospel. You've received the good word of hope. You've received the message of restoration. You've received the word of reconciliation. Freely you have received. Freely give. I believe there's coming a day as Paul's trying to express here to us that all of us are going to stand before the Lord and, and one of the primary questions I believe that the Lord is going to ask of us in that day, in that moment, that hour of judgment is what did you do with Jesus? 
for God so loved that he gave his only begotten son to us freely you have received freely give and I believe we're going to give an account for the opportunities that we took a pass on to not tell other people about Jesus and can I tell you it doesn't matter how much you know about the book of Daniel or Ezekiel Revelation Joel 1 Corinthians 15 Paul's writing to Thessalonica any of that it, it doesn't how did that affect your willingness to share Christ with others how did that impact your witness as a Christian now there's one final question that I want to cover here with you really quickly and that is this how should we feel because as human beings we are we are all about the feels aren't we huh I mean we just we feel like it we don't feel like it we're up today we're down tomorrow and just you know it's just constant back and forth and we get so tangled up in that so often we must have life custom suited to our needs wants and desires to find happiness and fulfillment and and the things that often cause us the most stress and make us the most anxious and have the most anxiety are usually things that are not going to matter at all once this life is over you ever, you ever think about that? I, w I, want, you, I want you to take, if you're, if you're worried about something right now, I want you to take a, a deep inventory of it right now, and I want you to ask yourself, what will that matter 100 years from now? Now, for me, that could be a concern. I have a great aunt that just a couple of weeks ago turned 106 years old, so that could be a legitimate question for me. It might matter. I don't know. I'm just saying I've got longevity on my side, okay? But for the most of us, statistically speaking, what's it going to matter in 100 years? Is it, is it even important when we hold it in the grand scope of our lives? I mean, does it, does it really hold that much value, that much weight? But there's something that should hold a lot of weight for us. And I, I believe that we've been given a glimpse into things to come in order to help us form a perspective, a healthy perspective of things that are. Paul wrote to the Corinthian church, 1 Corinthians 15, and he said, If in this life only we have hope of Christ, we are of all men most pitiable. In other words, we're, we're just, we're, we're believing in a pipe dream. I mean, if, if this is... If all we had was just the Jesus we have now, because you're, you're talking about a guy that, that faced all manner of adversity. I mean, stoned, beaten, left for dead, imprisoned, you name it. Shipwrecked, snake bit, I mean, this guy had it bad. I'm sorry that the handle broke off your grocery bag on the way in the house, but you, you don't have it like Paul had it, okay? I'm sorry if the temperature is not right in here this morning. It, it's, not, it's not that bad. But Paul had it bad. And he said this because he had that perspective of eternity. That to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And, and, and the, the perspective to say, what then shall we say to all these things? If God is for us, then who can be against us? He says this, he says, for our present troubles... They're small, and they won't last very long. 
You ever, have you ever just had something that was just like a burr in your saddle? I mean, and it was so bad in the moment. And, and three weeks later, you couldn't even remember that it was a thing. Let me tell you, your worst case scenario today, one day, is going to be such a distant and faded memory when you stand in the presence of Jesus in the light of eternity. It's just, it's not even going to matter. All the pain, all the hardship, the difficulty, it's not going to matter at all. And, and Paul writes, he says, for our present troubles are very small. They won't last very long, yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. So we don't look at the troubles we see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. For the things we see now will soon be gone. But the things we cannot see will last forever. Paul, writing to the church at Colossae, said, Set your sights and affections on things above. Jesus said, Lay up treasure for yourself in heaven where the moth does not corrupt nor the thief break in and steal. Amen. But store up the treasures in heaven. Amen. So how do you feel? We should feel optimistic. We should say, You know what? I know this isn't exactly what I wanted in life. This isn't exactly what I bargained for. But this is a light and momentary affliction. And God is working something in my life right now that is going to lead, uh, reveal such a grander glory in my being one day. We used to sing song in church years ago. You can stand. And our worship team's coming this morning. But we used to sing, It will be worth it all. When we see Jesus, life's trials will seem so small when we see Christ. One glimpse of his dear face, all troubles will erase. And I believe that. And I, I challenge you, not, not simply in a fearful way, because I'm, I'm telling you, I, I've heard this issue, this subject matter of eschatology preached so, so hard and so fierce that, man, when I was a kid, if my mom was 10 minutes late getting home from work, I was sure that she was gone and my sorry behind had been left behind. So I don't, I don't, I don't want to in any way conjure any undue fear I hope it produces a reverential fear just just the knowledge that one day we're gonna stand before Jesus but I, I want to tell you if you're in Christ today then you you're living with the assurance of the promise that when the role is called up yonder you'll be there amen you're, you're gonna be there not because you're so great but because Jesus died for you because his blood covers you so I want you to live with that reverential fear, seeing then what manner of person we ought to be. And then what should we do? What should we do tomorrow in the marketplace, in the workplace, in the home? What should we do to show forth Christ in our life? And then as you're facing those struggles, how do you feel? I feel like an overcomer. I feel like more than a conqueror. I feel hopeful. 
I, I, I choose joy. Because even though everything may not be exactly what I want right now, I know that one day He's going to make it all right. Amen? Amen. Amen. Father, we love you today. We thank you for your goodness towards us. We give you glory. We give you praise because Jesus paid it all. And Lord, because you live, we face tomorrow, not with uncertainty, but with surety, with surety that your word is forever settled in heaven and at the appointed time known only by God the Father. You're coming. You're coming to gather your own and to yourself. We thank you for that great hope, Lord. We thank you for that, that word of comfort, that word of peace, that word of everlasting joy. We receive that, Lord. And God, we just thank you in this moment that though adversity may arise in this life, it is nothing compared. And it will be worth it all when we see you and we give you the glory, the praise, the honor. If you're here today, every head bowed and every eye closed, those of you that are watching online, if you're here today and you'd say, Pastor Steve, I'm not sure that eternity is secure for me, I want to tell you that you don't have to leave this place today afraid of what's next. You don't have to finish this day if you're watching online afraid of what happens next. That can be settled in Christ Jesus in a moment, just calling on His name. So if you're here today, I want to invite you in these few moments as our worship team begins to minister just to step out from where you are. Pastor Lisa and I want to agree together with you in prayer if you're watching online would you please drop a comment and just let us know hey pastor would you pray for me one of our pastoral team would love to get in touch with you and just share with you what next steps are but we love you all and we, we just pray god's blessing and favor on your lives we hope you enjoyed this inspirational message today if you would like more information about faith assembly please visit us on the web at faith-assembly.org Thanks again for joining us and we hope you have a blessed day.